This is Leaders Lens, the show that reveals what it really takes to become a great leader. I'm Jacob Espinoza, a Fortune 500 leadership consultant and director of creator success at Workweek. Let's go. We are back. We are back. We are back at the Leaders Lens podcast. Thank you for being here. My name is Jacob Espinoza. I'm your host. Not a great singer. But sometimes I sing because it's fun and kind of weird and it breaks the ice, which allows for more natural conversations. But today, we are talking about helping you build a cohesive team. If you're in leadership, this is the name of the game. You're helping people work together, teaching people how to work together. And there is not a better book on this topic Patrick Lencioni's Five Dysfunctions of a Team. It's the best. It's probably the leadership book I recommend more than any other. It is a book I uh, revisit often, and I absolutely reference these frameworks a ton when I'm working with teams, because if your team can understand how these pieces fit together, if your team can understand where they are on the pyramid, they will know where they need to focus their attention. And knowledge is winning half the battle. G.I. Joe's taught us that for all of the 80s babies out there, the 80s babies. Showing my age for a little bit. But knowledge is power. If we can understand this, we can make some cool things happen. The next piece, of course, is bringing it to life. And we're going to help you out with that as well. So let's just start with a brief summary of what the five dysfunctions of a team are, and we're going to list them in order because you do need to address these one at a time. So the first dysfunction of a team that you need to address, absence of trust. This means your team is not is going to be scared to get vulnerable. They won't be open about their mistakes. They won't be open about where they need help. This will prevent you as a leader from addressing small things while they're still small things. And before they become big, time-consuming, expensive things. So the first, we got to start with the absence of trust. The second, fear of conflict. When your team is not open to having engaging conversation, unfiltered debate about new ideas, about things that can get better, progress is going to stop. If you have a passive team that just waits to clock out, they don't bring up problems that they're having, they don't feel like they can address an issue that's coming up, problems are, are not going to get solved and your team won't get better. So the second one we need to focus on is fear of conflict. The third, lack of commitment. Once we've aired out our opinions in a debate, we need to ensure, be sure that everyone on the team is going to follow through on the commitments. If people aren't following through on commitments, trust is going to break and we're going to start back at step one. So we need to be confident that when we come to an agreement at a meeting, even if everyone doesn't agree with the decision, we all are going to honor the commitments that we make. I had a, a great leader and mentor I worked with in the past who phrased it this way. He said, you don't get a pocket veto. Like you don't get to hold a veto in your pocket and not say anything, but decide that when you leave the meeting, you're not going to do, you're just going to you know, veto the idea individually and not follow through. Like that cannot be an option on a high-performing team. The fourth, and this is where a lot of people kind of struggle, 
especially if you're a new leader, especially if you're a people pleaser. And when we struggle here, the entire thing collapses. And that's the avoidance of accountability. Without commitment and buy-in, team members are often hesitant to call their peers to action and behaviors that seem counterproductive to the good of the team. So if you see your peer not doing, not following through on their commitments, but you're doing everything you need to do to help the team be successful and you're both treated the same, that's not a place where people can come to thrive. People are going to start being demotivated for giving that extra effort. Everyone on your team needs to be held to a, a high standard and this requires you as a leader to having quick and effective accountability conversations when things are not happening the way they are supposed to. Number five, inattention to results. So if we're not paying attention to the results of the team and we're more focused on our individual performance, the team will not, le- not reach their potential. This means you as a leader need to ensure that everybody understands how their roles impact the success of the greater good. And when you have a team where everybody is bought in and committed to doing the things that help everybody get better, a raised tide lifts all ships and everybody is better because of it. It is incredible. It is peak performance. It is peak leadership. It is peak team building. It is where you want to be. This is where your aspirations should be. Getting to this place where everybody is more committed to the success of the group than they are their own personal success. The interesting thing is that everybody benefits from it, but it requires going through the first four steps before we get here. It is a big deal. Now, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, this is a book written by Patrick Lencioni in 2002. I was introduced to it probably early 2010, so I had a little bit of of a gap there before I I read through the book. But once I read this book, I went through all of his books. He just does an incredible job of teaching through stories. He's a great storyteller. He's put out a ton of great work, but this is really a book that has helped so many leaders I worked with get better. So I'm happy to be able to introduce this framework to you today on this episode of Leaders Lens Podcast. And I'm going to encourage you to pick the book up as well, because it is well worth the read. It's a quick, you know, one evening read, sit down and and go through it, because it really is a, it really is an engaging story. So highly recommend picking it up. But let's dive in a little bit deeper on why each of these is so important here on the Leaders Lens podcast. So let's dive in now to how, how can we bring these to life? So we're starting with trust, building trust helping people understand the value of conflict comes second, then looking at commitment and helping ensure everybody is following through on the commitments they're making to the team. The fourth piece is holding people accountable and not avoiding accountability. And the fifth is ensuring our team is more committed to the the success of the team as opposed to the individual success. Because we want to build championship teams We don't want to build teams where everybody's trying to be the MVP, right? We want teams where everybody is bought in and committed, and their goal is to win a championship. Now, through this process, we might have an MVP on our team, somebody that does rise above and really sets themselves apart, but that needs to be a result of winning a championship and creating a culture where championships are part of what you do not at the expense of the team success. And so there's an important distinction there, but let's start out with trust. 
how do we create trust on our team? Now, trust is a combination of character and competence. It starts with us as a leader doing the things that we say we will do. If we want to develop trust on our team, we need everybody on our team to understand that when we say we're going to do something, we follow through and we get it done. For a lot of us, this requires processes of writing things down, having a checklist, and not assuming people will understand that we got busy. When things come up, we're effectively communicating, hey, I made this commitment to you. I had this come up. I didn't forget about it. I'm going to get this done, but I wanted to keep you in the loop. Those conversations go a long ways in ensuring your team doesn't think you either forgot about the task, you weren't capable of getting it done, or you just misled them. You were just saying something to make them happy, but you never had the intention of getting this done in the first place. That's the quickest way to break trust. Another important piece for you as a leader to understand as you're developing trust on your team is that trust will be made and broken when mistakes happen more than any other time. So if your team is being vulnerable and they're coming to you and they're sharing something personal, they're they're saying that they need help with something, or they're admitting they made a mistake, we cannot make them feel bad about this. We can't allow them to feel bad about this. We need to ensure that they understand mistakes are part of the process, is part of the growth process, and be there to support them. Now, this is a lot easier said than done because mistakes are usually expensive. If it's not actually impacting your P&L, it's probably going to cost you time to fix the mistake. It might cost the relationship. But don't forget that relationship with an employee is going to be more important than any other relationship. Because if you can help them understand what happened to the mistake, what happened to cause the mistake, grow from it and learn, but also strengthen that relationship You're going to have an even more engaged employee that's going to do better work for you, and you'll probably still be able to salvage that relationship with a client or or whatever the case may be, whatever the impact was of that mistake. But that relationship with the employee is going to have a return on investment of, of 100x over time if they're bought in. And the other piece of it, like the mistake is already done. The damage has already been done, has already been done. You already have that cost. It's too late. We're past that point. But if we use that as a growth point, we can at least help somebody get better and have the future rewards as opposed to now also damaging an employee with uh, damaging a relationship with an employee because we took an approach that that caused there to be a mistrust or a lack of trust. So a few things we can focus on is one, look at how we handle mistakes to develop trust, but also ensure we do what we say we will do to show our team that we have both character and competence. Now, a fear of conflict is going to damage everything. Like working with a passive team who just doesn't say what they're thinking, that is scared to bring up problems, or they feel like it's better to just suffer through the day and then go home because they don't care enough to deal with the problem. Like this is going to kill your business. This is going to crush your team. It's a terrible thing. So you have to teach people how to have conflict in a healthy manner. And this is going to require you to play an active role. Do not assume that conflict on your team is going to resolve itself without you helping out. If it was going to resolve itself, it would have already. You have to play an active role in helping people work together when there is conflict, helping people see each other's perspective. And this requires that you start 
by not taking sides. Understand that every time there is conflict, there are two sides of the story. Your job as a leader is to assume the best intentions of both people that are in this conflict, have conversations with them to really understand what they were trying to accomplish, and then bring them together, work as a mediator if necessary. Be careful with how you have these conversations because sometimes even just nodding your head while somebody's talking or say, oh my gosh, I agree, I see where you're coming from, that person might leave feeling like you took their side in the conflict. Like you have to be really clear that you understand their intentions, but that you wanna take time to understand the other side as well. When conflict between two people is not resolved, it spreads throughout your organization. Both of these people pick sides, they find allies to have their back, and now what started as two people having conflict becomes this thing where there's multiple people involved that don't work together as well because they're, they're, they have this conflict in mind when they're working through it. And this is why some people get nervous or don't want to bring conflict up because they want to avoid these sort of situations. Like They just want to come to work, do their job, collect a check, and go home. You need to make sure that everybody feels encouraged to bring things up that are problems, even if it's not an easy thing to say. And you can do this by recognizing them. Even if you don't agree with them, make sure they understand that you appreciate them taking the time to bring something up that they knew was going to ruffle some feathers, that they knew wasn't an easy thing to say. A lot of times we, um, when we're looking at hiring people, we think of culture fit, like who's going to come in and get along with everybody. But that's not going to always be the best case, right? Who's a person that's actually going to add value to this team and bring a different perspective that'll help the organization grow, that'll help the team grow and be at their best. So we need those people that are going to have these conversations straight on and not be scared to say the hard things that often a lot of people are thinking, but they just aren't as confident in bringing it up because there is this fear of conflict. And we can encourage people to bring these data points up it helps our growth process. It just accelerates the growth process. Just learning what is not being said. And then after we have the, uh, we work through the fear of conflict, now we have the commitment. And the commitment and accountability really work hand in hand. Because if you're not hand, having the accountability conversations with your team, it's going to be a lot less likely that people are going to be committed to doing the things that they say they will do. So it's your role as a leader to be resilient and ensure that when there are expectations set, the expectations are clear. We're following up to inspect what we expect. We're recognizing the things going well, and we're coaching when things are not going well. So people don't feel like they can just forget or they can make excuses. Like we have to have conversations directly and address these things while they're small things because of habits form and the habit becomes, I'm just going to do what I want every single day. I'll show up sometimes. It's going to be a tough place and people that are actually performing at a high level are going to be less motivated to work there because they want to work with other top performers. They want to be part of a championship team. So it's up to you as a leader to create this culture where that is, is able to happen. And you can do this by ensuring everyone's committed to their word by having those effective accountability conversations. I'm going to challenge you to stop looking at accountability as a bad word. It is not a bad word. It is making sure people are doing the things that need to be done for them to be successful but also for the team to be successful. Kim Scott has a great book called Radical Candor on this topic. And she tells a story in a video where there's this employee that doesn't give, get, is just struggling. 
the manager struggled with them, but also not giving them feedback because they don't want to hurt their feelings. And the unfortunate consequence of this is that that employee eventually has to be fired because they're not doing the job up to the expectation. And in the conversation where they're being let go, they're told, this is why we're letting you go because these things are happening. And that person's response was, why didn't anybody tell me? Like, why didn't anybody let me know that these were things that were hurting the team? Like, there literally was this sort of mentality of like, this is just what I do every single day. I had no idea that this was costing the company money or this was, I had no idea this was holding our our team back from getting this project finished. So it's your role as a leader to have those direct conversations to make sure people understand the impacts of their actions and understand what's expected of them. People want to be great. They want to come to work and do a good job. People don't wake up and say, like, I'm going to show up to work and suck today. Like, that's just not how people operate, right? They want to do a good job. We just need to make sure there's clarity in what success looks like. And sometimes those coaching and accountability conversations are the necessary step to ensuring they understand what that is. And then the last piece, prioritizing team goals over personal goals. It's common to come to work and especially depending on your incentives, right? I want to challenge you to think through how do I incentivize team success over individual success? You probably need elements of both, right? You need some sort of a motivation for people to understand. If I come to work and I do this, I'm going to have this benefit. Those sort of incentives are, are impactful. But also we need the team-based incentives where people understand if I come to work, I work together as a team, we're helping everybody get better, I'm pitching in where I can, there's going to be this incentive as well. We also need visibility around how the team is performing, around how each person is individually contributing to the, the greater good. And we can have direct conversations that help paint this picture by being specific on the actions people are taking and the overall benefit the team is seeing because of these actions. A framework I love for this is SAO. I'm talking about this in my cohort that launches today, if you're listening to this podcast, the day it released, I'm excited for the the seed round to get going. But the framework is SAO, Situation, Action, Outcome. Here was a situation, here was a thing that you did, and here was the outcome. If we can have this constant conversation where we are rewarding people for doing things that help the team be better, they will be more likely to continue doing those things because the things that are recognized get repeated. I'm going to say that so many times because I never want you to forget that the things that are recognized are repeated. And sometimes progress, taking that approach to helping people get better, might feel like it takes longer than focusing on the negative. But the long-term benefits are far greater because that person will continue to do those things even when you're not there watching them. So situation, action, outcome. And this can be used for accountability conversations also. If we need someone to change a behavior, we can use that same approach. But don't forget to also use it when we're recognizing a behavior and it will allow you to to overcome that fifth dysfunction of a team, which is inattention to results. You need people to understand the success of the team understand that the success of the team is what is most important. So I appreciate you being here. Thank you for everybody sharing the podcast. If you got value from this, you know somebody that is looking at building an incredible team, I'd love for you to share this episode with them and leave a review. Reviews help out a ton. My name is Jacob Espinoza. I'll talk to you next week. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the show. 
Don't miss another episode of Leaders Lens and the inside scoop on becoming a great leader. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love Leaders Lens, please tell a friend.